with the uh, proclamation to preach the word, we're going to start our fireside chats. Uh, you may be wondering what the arrangement up here is, and uh, um, if, if you have been with us, we've been going through uh, a series that we've called Church 101. We've taken a break from books of the Bible, and in, in about a month we'll re-enter uh, with First Peter, and so as I have asked you, I hope that you are reading that, I hope that you're digging in, I look forward, we look forward to bringing that to you. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about worship. And um, uh, particularly this morning, uh, we're going to talk about music and worship. One of the things that, I, that you will hear being brought out is that um, the worship service, from, from the call to worship uh, to, the, um, to, to the very end when we close, however we do that with the benediction most Sundays, is worship. And the, the centerpiece of worship is the proclamation of the Word of God. Um, but a vital aspect uh, in our gathering together, and a biblical aspect in our gathering together, is the, the singing, uh, the, the music. Um, and so in a moment, um, John's gonna, John Rowell's going to come up, and, and I'm going to do a little interview with him. And what I'm wanting you to see is, I'm wanting you as a church, I'm wanting us to get an inside picture of why we do what we do, and the importance of it as we uh, instruct you in that. And one of the things that I want you to hear and that I want you to know, and it's one of the things that we believe and I hope that we proclaim for the rest of time until the Lord comes back, is that the reason that we worship God in all the ways that we worship Him, but the reason that we do that is because He is worthy of worship. And that is the foundational principle on which we stand and on which we worship. You know, there is this false dichotomy, and I, I'm, I'm, uh, there's this false dichotomy, and I know I'm going to step on toes here. Uh, over this past week, there have been several conversations I've had with several people. It's interesting how the Lord works. And there's this false dichotomy that we get sometimes between, uh, that we say certain people have certain personalities, and certain people need certain things and don't need certain things. And while there is truth, that we have different personalities, the reality is, is that just like there's no such thing as a heart person and a head person, God wants all of us, and we worship with all of who we are, there's no such thing, there should be no such thing as a singing person and a non-singing person. Now what you may say is, well, wait a minute, you haven't heard my husband sing. God does not command us to, to, to be good at singing. He commands us to sing. And that is the word that I want you to hear, is that we're commanded in Scripture to sing. And God designed us this way for a purpose and a reason. And so one of the things, in singing, we're submitting to the fact that God knows best. And that there's something in that singing that not only is God glorifying but it's good for us. And John and I will talk through that in a minute. And, and God commands us to sing. We see this, you know, we've got a whole book of the Bible, a really large book called the Psalms, which are songs. In the Old Testament, we see singing and commands for singing. And in the New Testament, there are several passages. And I just want to real quickly turn to Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. And I want you to take note. 
So in the beginning of this passage, notice that it's notice what Paul is commanding the churches, and I believe Ephesians was written to be circulated. Listen to what Paul is saying here. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So notice, as Paul is exhorting here, and as he's talking, he's saying, be careful, be careful, be careful, be on guard, Uh, the days are evil, Um, don't get caught up. You know, we could say that one of the things that Paul is saying is that don't get your attention focused on other things, because... We are made as worshipers and we have the tendency to get our focus and to get blown off track and to get blown into other areas. And so, as Paul is exhorting here, don't do these things, I don't know what you would expect him to say next, but it's very interesting to me. In verse 18, he says, but be filled with the Spirit. And this isn't talking about necessarily a charismatic type um, thing, but notice what he says. He says, Don't do these things, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Now, I want John to come up, and and I just want to give uh, a word of, uh, of anecdotal where I'm thankful. I'm th- so thankful to John and his ministry to us uh, here. Uh, there have been many Sundays. I know that preachers are never supposed to be discouraged or depressed or been out of shape. You can sit here, John. Um, but I can't tell you how many times necessarily I've come in and uh, my mind has been in other places. And as we sit and gather or stand and gather and sing, that God has done something through the singing that is rightly focused and so well thought through that by the time I stand up, God has used that in order to speak to me and to move me to a place that's been uh, so good. Um, And the other thing that recently, and I hope you all have noticed this, many of you have and many of you have said things to me about this, but um, John and uh, the guys that have been leading the worship have always sent out these emails um, about what they're thinking and processing through during the week. And somebody, I forget who, wasn't me, said, why don't we send those out to the congregation? And I've gotten so much feedback about the benefit of that, of seeing the inworkings of why we're doing what we're doing. So this morning, I'm going to interview John and try to keep an eye on time. We're good. Um, and I think you will be greatly blessed, and I pray that the Lord will use this time to not only teach you why we do what we do, but to help shift our focus so that as we gather together that that, that you will be drawn into, I think, the purposes of God. So, thank you, John. Thank you. For all you do. And and, and first, uh, what I want to start with is, what is worship and what do we mean by corporate worship? Okay. Um, Well, the word worship um, basically just means to attribute worth um, so you attribute worth to what you see as worthy of it. Um, and uh, so I think of verses like uh, Psalm 96.8 that says, Ascribe to the Lord glory, the glory due His name. 
or verses from Revelation which says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honor and glory and riches and power and blessing. Um, we worship celebrities for their ability. We worship uh, rulers maybe for their power and their wealth. But God is the one who's supremely worthy of worship. He's the one who gives all of those gifts to people. Um, he's not dependent on anyone. Everything comes from Him. He's eternally self-existent. So He's the one that we recognize as completely worthy of our worship. Um, so that's kind of a, a starting point for understanding worship. But in the Bible, it's actually even more than that. Um, the Bible ties worship to love. Um, think of uh, Jesus quoting Isaiah where he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What he's saying there is they're kind of pretending to worship, but they don't really love me. Mm. Um, and uh, so we, we learn from the Bible that what we love most will determine what we genuinely worship. I want to I want to chime in for a second. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I, I love this quote, and uh, I I looked it up to make sure that I got it right. Uh, but C.S. Lewis has a quote here that says, "The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical parsonages, children." Flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles. I love this part. Even sometimes politicians or scholars. <laughs> and um, I think we see that in our day. And what you're saying is, is so pertinent for us to hear. We, out, we are worshipers. And the God we serve is so worthy of worship. Mm -hmm. And not only just of our, and I know, you, I know we'll get into this in a minute, but not only just of our head, but with our affections as well. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so there's a strong con uh, connection between worship and love, and then there's also a strong connection between worship and sacrifice. Um, Romans 12.1 says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So it's saying that our presenting our bodies as a sacrifice is our spiritual worship. Um, and then I also have Hebrews 13, which talks about through him, that's Jesus Christ, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise uh, to God. That is the fruit of lips that praise his name. Um, so when we come to worship, we have to recognize there's a giving of ourselves that's a part of that. Um, so worship, you know, just the, the word in general is way more than Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a life orientation. It's about all, all that we are, our mind, our heart, our, our body. It's, it's all of those. Um, but I think you also ask about what do we mean by corporate worship. Um, yeah, that's not a biblical term, I don't think. Um, but it, we re use it to refer to the regular organized gathering of a local body of believers for worship and edification. I think Dylan talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, where we come together around God's Word, prayer, fellowship, um, all for the purpose of praising, honoring, and glorifying the God who is worthy and for building up each other. Um, and so we turn our eyes, we always try to start our service by turning our eyes to the one 
that we see as of supreme worth and responding to his greatness and his goodness. Um, so it's our whole service, as, a, as you mentioned earlier, it's not just the music. It's, it's everything that we do here on a Sunday morning. And John, I've heard you use the words, um, I've heard you use the words, and I think it's right, call and response, call and mm-hmm, response. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how that's structured into kind of what we do? Right, right. So it is very important that we're not just coming here um, just to sing or to have an emotional experience, um, but that we are here to recognize God, His worthiness, and to respond to the ways that He's revealed Himself to us. So we will start intentionally with Scripture that tells us something of God's character. Um, And then allow the music to be a, a response and to facilitate a response mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. Um, why, um, why do we sing when we gather? Mm-hmm. Or, or why is singing a, a part of the worship service? Okay. Because there are some people that would say, hey, I can, can we just go straight to this part of the, of mm-hmm. the service? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there are a number of reasons, but I think the first and probably most important is that God commands it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, first Chronicles 16, uh, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim his glory. Um, Psalm 30, sing praises to him. O you saints and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 47. I think we use that as our call to worship a few weeks ago sing praises to god sing praises sing praises to our king sing praises for god is the king of all the earth um and also whatever god commands us it's for our good um it's good for us we flourish um our lives are enriched whenever we follow what he's told us to do so we shouldn't look at commands as a you know a a bad thing at all um, so the first reason would be uh, it's commanded. The second would be it's the example of God's people throughout Scripture. Um, if we think about the Exodus, um, the people have just crossed through the Red Sea um, and witnessed God's mighty salvation as the Egyptian army is following them and then gets engulfed by the, as the sea uh, is, uh, washes over them. And what, does, what happens there? It says that Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider has been hurled into the sea. Um, and then he goes on, and there's a, a full song that's, that's in that part. Um, you move forward to Deborah and Barak um, and how uh, Deborah was uh, a judge and uh, God delivered the people uh, from Sisera, I believe. And uh, what does it say that they did us after that? That it says that the leaders they they sang a song, Deborah and Barak, that the leaders led in Israel, that the people volunteered, bless the Lord. And there's a long song that follows that. Um, David appointed the Levites, a group of the Levites, to be in charge of the music for um, the worship. And then later the Psalms, um, uh, many of them were already written at that point in time, but. The Psalms were collected to be a songbook for God's people. Um, in the New Testament, Jesus, after instituting the Lord's Supper, he sang a hymn with the disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Revelation, we see that singing is still a part of 
of our worship uh, in the heavenly life. So, um, so it's the example that we see throughout Scripture. Um, and then some other reasons would be that it's a God-given way of engaging and expressing, expressing our emotions uh, to God, to, um, to His truth, to what He's done for us. It's part of true worship. Um, James says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Um, Jonathan Edwards said something that I, I, I put down here because I thought it was pretty interesting. It says, the duty of singing praises to God seems to be whole, given wholly to excite and express religious affections. There's no other reason why we should express ourselves to God in verse rather than in prose and with music, except that these things have a tendency to move our affections. So God has created us so that music um, helps uh, excite emotion and express emotion um, to him. And emotion, um, as we see and as we'll probably see in some of our uh, further discussion, is a, p- a part of true worship. And I want to interject there. It's interesting when, uh, not to get too deep on this, uh, but when, when Jonathan Edwards talks about emotion, he, he, the term he uses is affection, mm-hmm. an affection of the will. And it, it, what he's really signifying is, is that our natural inclination inside of us to be drawn towards or away from something. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting that as we talk about singing, we're talking about um, inciting something that should be in us, a will towards or away from something. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get this idea of worship being uh, expressive because it should be resonating with something that is already inside of us that is moving us to some degree. That's good. Um, Did you have more on that? Uh, I do. Because <laughs> I, I, I have several I, reasons. But yes, go was, for it. No, 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 go for uh, it, go for it. Because I, I know that over lunch the other day, there were several really good points under this that you were... Uh, so, yeah, so um, corporate singing, um, communal singing is something that has been um, pretty much universally seen in cultures around the world over time. It's, there, almost every culture has had some form of when, where the people get together and sing. Um, and while ours strangely has largely lost that, I think you can still see um, a yearning for it um, even, even still. I mean, even a few generations back we had it. But, but if you're in a large gathering of people and over the sound system you hear, Sweet Caroline... Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you just can't help it. You Sinners. Know? Sinners. Repent. <laughs> that was your one chance to sing that song in church. <laughs> um, Actually, I guess uh, my first church event was a Valentine's banquet, and there was a group of singers here. And they brought Caroline Benassi in and sang that song to her. So, oh. <laughs> second time. Second time. Second time. Okay, all right. All right. Um, another reason that we, we sing is we're actually reflecting the activity of God. Uh, Zephaniah 3.17 says, He will rejoice over you with loud singing. Mm-hmm. Um, we already talked about how Jesus sang a hymn with the disciples. The verses you read from Ephesians talk about how when we're controlled by the Spirit, it results in singing. Mm-hmm. So we're reflecting the activity of God. Um, and also, it's a great way to learn truth. Yeah. 
Um, you know, uh, there's music and singing activate um, long-term memory in ways that other methods of learning just don't do. So, um, so the next question, this is, this is vitally important. Um, which Rowell is the most talented musician? <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> just teasing. Um, no, I'm just teasing. I won't put you on the spot. Uh, so what are, our, what are our goals as we sing? All right, yeah. So we have a document that actually spells that out. So I'm just going to read exactly what's in the document. The goals for our worship ministry are to remind the congregants of the worth and beauty of God centered on Christ and culminated in the gospel. Second, to lead the congregants in response to these truths in corporate worship of God, primarily in song. Third, to prepare hearts for the Spirit's work through the word, prayer, and fellowship. And finally, to motivate the congregants to love and obedience for God's glory. So. I just, I love that. I love that. And that, you, you know, one of the things as we, as we move into the next question, but that is reflected in um, that document, is that, you know, theology matters. Truth matters. And so when, when we sing, you know, sometimes people who come here, and, you know, one of the questions I'll get from some new folks is, uh, why don't, like, why don't we do songs that are on J103? There's some great songs on J103 that may enter into the catalog, but one of the reasons is is because um, these songs are combed over to make sure that they are truthful and without error uh, and that they're singable. Um, you know, it's some Sweet Caroline's a pretty singable <laughs> tune, you know, and, and singability is important. So... Um, so, so one of the things that I, that I wanted you all some, to get some insight on, and because of kind of all these things that, that John has uh, said, is that I, I did want to ask John, so how do you choose the songs that we sing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, we have a lot of help in Scripture on that. Um, Colossians 3.16, which um, you'll see at the end of the Word Centered Worship email every week, um, says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So this gives us a lot of things. There's the goal of worship is the word of Christ dwelling richly in us. The method is teaching and admonishing with singing. Um, and then what I'm calling modes, it says psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Um, I don't know if anybody really knows what those divisions actually are. Um, my best guess would be that the psalms refer to the psalms, um, and that the hymns are songs that praise Christ. They could be songs from our hymn book or, or the modern songs that we've sung, and that um, the spiritual songs might, might be more spontaneous expressions. But. So are you saying our hymnals weren't around when Jesus was around? <laughs> no. Okay, just, just, I didn't, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but regardless of what the actual um, divisions are, I think we can at least um, understand that there's diversity there, mm-hmm. and that's what's being encouraged. Um, and Bob Coughlin, um, somebody I have, uh, really respect um, in terms of being a worship leader and look to a lot of times for, Um, just inspiration and advice. Um, He says, musical diversity reflects the various, the varying aspects of God's nature. He is transcendent and eminent. He splits mountains and clothes the lilies. 
We worship Him as our Creator and our Redeemer. King and Father. So it's that whole idea of transcendent and eminent. Um, and then also he said, musical variety enables us to hear the same words with different effect. So just understanding that you know, um, music affects us and it affects us differently depending on the style and mood. Um, Colossians also says uh, an attitude, thankfulness. Um, sing with thankfulness in your hearts. So Colossians is one of those verses that I, I like to go to for helping me think about the types of music uh, we want to choose. The verses you read in Ephesians also um, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, so that tells us um, the direction that the music is, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's not just to God. It also says that a little bit later in those verses, but it says we're speaking to one another. Um, so sometimes when I'm singing a song, especially an us kind of song, like we were ruined in our sin or something like that, I'll occasionally look out and just see if I can find somebody to make eye contact with. Mm -hmm. You know, that we're singing this together. This is us. Um, so direction to, to one another, but also to the Lord. It says singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. John, uh, we didn't talk about, we haven't talked about this, so I'm throwing a tiny curveball, but it's hanging, so you'll hit it out of the park. <laughs> and that no. is, is that... Um, Talk about, there's an important aspect here that, that I know that we've discussed before. Talk about volume and singing together. You know where I'm going with that? Um, not exactly, but uh, <laughs> you mean about the volume? Uh, the volume, out? yes. Right, right. Yeah. So, so in other words, why is it important that we hear one another sing? Right, right. Yeah, we, I mean, we obviously don't want the, what's coming through the sound system to be so loud that we can't hear the person next to us or hear ourselves. Um, but, um, and a lot of times we'll even bring things down, maybe to acapella or whatever, um, because there is a sense of, you know, being in this together, of encouraging one another, of building up one another. Uh, just, you know, sometimes when we're singing acapella or, or, or I can hear the congregation well, it's a, it can be pretty moving. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that gets that, to, at the point you were. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the other things that um, um, one of the other things that I love about John is that we we trust John completely, and but what's interesting is that whenever he's going to introduce a new song, he always sends the words and a link to the musical style to the elders for elder approval, uh, because one of the things that John is doing in that setting is saying. Um, this min all the ministries of the church are under the authority of the elders, and so he wants to make sure that there's nothing that kind of gets through that might be um, uh, theologically unsound. That although we trust him, there's that, th there's that knowing that he's under um, that authority. Mm -hmm. um, you know, John, you've done a great, great job of, of shepherding us through... Um, and laying out a case for biblical expression um, from, from the stage and talked often about, especially recently, I don't know if you all have heard, but John has talked a lot more about uh, not only singing but expression in worship and that that is a God-ordained thing. Um, music is meant to move our affections. We expressed this earlier. But, but why do you think it's important to feel free to be expressive? Mm -hmm. um. And if I can make 
maybe take that even a little further. I think it's important that we are expressive, okay. not just feel free. But um, and do you mean by that that everybody everybody has to express themselves in the same way? No, no, okay. def- no, and yeah, no, not the same way. And um, but there are multiple commands in Scripture about expression in worship. Um, you know, clapping, singing, dancing, shouting. Um, so uh, those are all in there. Um, so that's, again, we go back to anything that God commands us is for our good. Um, and then uh, I th- it's a God-designed way for us to experience His fullness and to respond to it. Um, and we talked earlier about the connection between worship and what we love. Um, I think there are some expressions that are probably more natural for us in our culture. Um, clapping and shouting, we do that um, at a you know at a sporting event or other things. Um, those are things that you know should seem pretty natural as a way to respond to greatness. Um, some of them might be a, a lot little... of people will do that this afternoon. <laughs> right, right. Right. I mean, I mean in, in a real practical sense, there yes. will be a lot of people that will be right. clapping and saying, you know, yeah. standing up and saying, go. Yeah. Right. Um, there are probably some ways that are um, mentioned in Scripture that it might be a little less, like lifting your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there, we don't have quite um, the same uh, outlets for that. But understanding that these things that God has given us to do um, he's designed us so that they are good for us. And um, so when it says in Psalm 134, two, lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Um, we say, okay, let's do it. Um, and in doing that, we're signifying um, dependence, commitment, um, trust, reverence. There, you know, there are just a, a number of things that... Well, and one of the things that's important that we're not saying is um, we're not saying good job worship team. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, or um, that sort of thing. Right. Um, one of the ways that I um, talk about this sometimes with people is that um, uh, the, uh, in the 80s when Michael Jackson was first coming on the scene, th- there's a video of, of him in Tokyo and people are just falling out everywhere. I mean, they're just like, you, you, would, you would think it was a Benny Hinn-type experience, you know? And what it, what it, what it rang home to me was that th- there is a kind of uh, um, emotion that is uh, provoked by stardom or music mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that can be manipulated and right. uh, uh, contrived. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about is, is very, and it's very careful, I just want to accentuate what you're saying, um, is that what, what we are saying, what John is saying, is that what we're not looking for is to drive an emotional response to music for the sake of emotion, yeah. but that our experience of singing to the God of the universe in this, in, in this context um, should be emotional. That's, yeah, that's very good, yeah. Um, yeah, when we, uh, when we you know, spend time working on the music, um, the purpose of that is not to get people to respond to the music alone. It's for them to respond to the truths that we've read in Scripture and the truths of the lyrics um, that we're singing. 
Um, and music does help us engage with them and does help us express those emotions. Um, so. um, there are a couple places that I want to go here, but for time. Um, let, let me ask this, uh, and then I'll have one other question, and then we'll close out our time together. What is the most difficult challenge for you as a worship leader? Um, and what would be the number one thing that the people here can pray for you? Uh, because I think oftentimes, I, I hope you get people saying they're praying for you. I'm so, mm-hmm. I, I covet the prayers when people are telling mm-hmm. me they're praying for me as I'm preparing to preach. Right. Um, uh, but So what is the number one thing we can pray for you, and what is the b- most difficult challenge as a worship leader? Biggest challenge. Um, well, you might think it's... Uh, putting together a schedule with and uh, trying to accommodate a whole bunch of people's busy schedules <laughs> or maybe it's coming up with something new every week to say um, uh, but really it's just working with the pastors here they're just <laughs> <laughs> I knew it I knew it <laughs> no um, no the, honestly the without a doubt the biggest challenge is my own heart um, I am tempted every day, enticed every day to put something else in that place of supreme importance, to worship something else with my life, you know, comfort, security, um, uh, popularity, what, whatever it is, um, you know, my rights, uh, those things are every day, you know, kind of tugging at me and, and, and I've got a battle that I'm, I'm in, just like everyone here. Um, for my worship. And so that's where the first struggle takes place in, in leading worship. Is um, So yeah, when, when people tell me that they're praying for me and that they're praying for my heart and, and that my affections will be in the, you know, that, that is so encouraging. Mm-hmm. That's so um, uplifting and, and, and I know I need it so much. So, How do you... Um, um, I would like to touch on this as well. How do you... One of the things that we, has often been repeated here um, is that if, if for some reason all we had were, was a person standing and singing, uh, then that's enough to worship, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the, the fact that we have a guitar and a, and a box and mm-hmm. um, all, all the other things that we have to... It is a box, Tracy. Um, <laughs> um, and all these other things are a blessing. Mm-hmm. So, and, and as you see a stage full of people, how do you help shepherd maybe their hearts? And, and what role does excellency play in that? And I know mm-hmm. I'm asking you two loaded questions and want you to be somewhat brief on that. Right. How do, you, how do you navigate those two things? Right. Well, like you said, you don't have to have any of that to worship. Um, you don't have to have any of that to sing. Um, I hope that people sing uh, throughout the week and, and in their cars on the way to work or wherever. Um, i got to get this dumb thought out of my head of, uh, of uh, as, as this whole time I've been thinking, this is, shows my depravity, um, <laughs> of people saying, I can't sing, and you know the line in Elf where, sure you can. I'm singing, I'm singing. You know, so, uh, we, all, we can all sing, yes. but we want to do it with excellence. Right. Um, so, but yes, God has given this body a number of 
talented people that, um, and uh, they bring just a great heart to it. And so it's, you know, it's a privilege that we have to be able to take those gifts that God's given them, given us and invest them in his, in, in leading this congregation in worship. And uh, so we hope that through the practices, through the musicianship, through clear leadership, um, the time that we, you know, put in outside of the service, that we're able to um, better facilitate that response to his greatness and to do it without distracting others. And what was the other part of that question? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> um, uh, excellence. Yes. Excellence. Yeah. What role right. does excellence yes. play? Um, yeah, so, um, well, we see from the Bible that skill matters to God. Um, I've got somewhere in my notes some... Uh, Exodus, when Moses is um, establishing worship, he, God tells him about Bezalel, and he says that I've put in him, I've filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs. So I'm, I want you to put him in charge, you know, of, of this. Um, and then David organizes the singers, and it talks about how they're skillful in, in, in playing the different instruments. So Skill matters to God. We see that. Um, we also see um, that the skill is developed. It talks about those who are trained in, in First Chronicles um, and skillful. And then uh, just everything we do in life should be done to God's glory. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is, you know, he's ultimately worthy. We've talked about that, how um, there's, we can't overdo it for him. Um, so we want to do the best that we can. Um, and so, you know, that's why we pursue excellence. Um, it serves the congregation better. Um, it's not that God accepts our worship on the basis of excellence. Um, he accepts our worship because of what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, First, First Peter, yeah. Um, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So um, it's not our excellence that makes our worship acceptable, but it, it's because he's worthy. Yeah. So one of the things that, I, that, that I, I feel like that John has just done a wonderful job leading us and wanted to just accentuate today as we, as we talked was this whole idea that um, what happens up here um, before one of the el- uh, before the greeting or before one of the elders gets up and, and, and reads uh, the Bible and uh, prays is not to um, a- attract you uh, because of popularity into a into a building but is to lead you in worship to see and savor the God of the universe. And that's why I really wanted you to hear from John and not just me, because I wanted you to hear his heart in this. And, and we, are, we have been led well by you and by, by many of you, and, and we are thankful for, for what you all do and the sound guys. And I mean, it just, uh, it, 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 it's awesome. Last question, and I'll, I'll uh, pray for us, and then we will we'll end with a song. Um, who is the worst Raoul? I'm just teasing. <laughs> No, uh, I am blown away. We are all blown away by the talent of the Raoul family, um, and, and we are so glad that we have part of them here. And you may not know this, but John has another brother that leads worship at another church, uh, David, mm-hmm. off the mountain. And when I found that out, I was just like, 
It's in the genes, you know. So uh, thank you, and thank you all for, um, for allowing me to take a little bit of a detour this morning, uh, and we will be back next week as normal. Uh, this is not the normal thing, um, but, but I thought it was important and important to hear from John. So let's pray, and as I pray, if the worship team will come back forward and close us out in service. God, you are worthy of all of our praise. And God, one of the things that I hope that um, our people heard, and one of the things that has been impressed on me as I've been thinking and praying about this Sunday, is that God, you as creator, king, sovereign of the universe, know better than I do what I need and what I don't need. So when you make a command in Scripture, it's not to burden me, it's not to uh, do something to me that's um, punitive or, um, or, uh, or, or dreadful. But God, when you command us to do something, it's because in those commands we find life. And that God, as you command us to sing, to sing unto you, to, to, to make music, to rejoice, um, God, those are good, sweet commands. God, I pray that this morning, that this morning, that um, God, if, if there might be some of us who, who have a negative attitude towards the song portion of our worship, that God, that you would use maybe this conversation this morning, particularly your word, that you would use that to change our hearts so that we could corporately together enjoy uh, the fruitfulness of singing. God, we love you. I thank you for uh, John Rowell. Uh, God, I uh, thank you for his leadership in this area. Um, God, I thank you for uh, the other men who uh, step in and lead us in worship. God, I pray that you would uh, continue to fill them with uh, your love and with your truth so that they can lead us well. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.